0: Hey, I want to welcome you to another episode of The One in Five. My name is Abel Baker. I'm here with Adam Renshaw. Yo. Um, today we're going to deal with this COVID-19 issue in kind of a unique way. What I'm going to do is paint for you a picture of a of a potential tomorrow that I see kind of in story form. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story that's localized off of just simple math that I've done over our town. And the story is, I imagined I was writing it five months from now. So what I'll do is share it with you, share the, the numbers, and uh, it, it will definitely come across like a catastrophe. Um, and what I'd like to do is redeem it. So if this is a story of catastrophe, what I'd like to do is first hear from you. Uh, how do we redeem this if this is real, if this is true, if this could happen, if, if somebody agrees with the math, the, the stories that we're hearing? Um, they're not even just stories. If I just take the numbers I'm being told and plug them into my town, how do we deal with it? So that's my hope, Adam. I'll... I'll start us off here with this story and then bring that to you. But before we do that, I wanted to, I, I wanted to touch uh, or give, give an understanding of how this came about. And Adam, you can kind of add to what I'm going to say, but I was explaining to you, um, when I share these numbers with people, their response is, don't be afraid, Abel don't worry. Or, um, it sounds overwhelmingly bleak. And I told you how tough it is to hear that because I'm actually, I'm actually thinking, um, big, you know, far beyond this. What, what will this do? I have a lot of hope, man. <laughs> so, um, and I, and I always know a good movie begins with, uh, some catastrophe or a good story, but, it's the redemption portion. Do you want to talk a little bit more, Adam, about our conversation that led up to, to uh, this idea for today's podcast? Yeah, well, it was just,
1: it was really talking, I think, about perception and um, how we can perceive certain things as a negative, uh, even though they might be Positive, um, we can perceive uh, good news as bad news, or if it's not clearly portrayed as good news. And the thing that sort of led up to this was we were talking, and, and we were talking about how to how to go about this podcast episode, and and you were you were putting forth some ideas, and, and then I came to you and I was like, hey, I just want to read you something. The, the positives, <laughs> the, right? Yes, the good news, yeah. 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 And, and that's what sort of sparked it because it caused me to realize that I do that. I, like, the thing that stuck out to me about what I was reading to you was it was called good news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like, literally, they had to spell it out for me or else I wouldn't have seen it. And I think a lot of people are like that at this time, um, that there's just so much going on. um, And it's really um, some of it. I don't want to say a lot of it, but some of it can be um, hard to get a hold of, hard to grasp, maybe negative, um, uh, might mess with our heads a little bit. And so... If it's not sort of clearly portrayed as, hey, um, this is positive, focus here on the positive, then people can can tend to just really focus on the negative. When I tell or talk to somebody about this, in my
0: mind and heart, I'm expecting like, hey, let's think of some positive things that are going to come out of this without somebody to frame things and to help communicate. In other words, it's, um, I need more than just myself in this time to communicate. Right. And the whole overwhelming picture is um, our town needs community to live. And here you and I were talking about the bleak, the bleak numbers. Um Damn. And you brought a lot of positive things to the table. And the whole time you were reading them, I'm like, you cannot have good news without bad news or like the highest can't stand without the lowest you know so when we started to have that conversation we imagined me giving the bleak news and then let's talk about the the redemptive aspect of it yeah yeah.
1: because there is a redemptive aspect of this and we're seeing it now this, uh, as this whole situation unfolds, as this story, so to speak, unfolds before us um, as, as the days march forward.
0: Here's my story. I remember the upbeat yet alarming music playing over the radio on March 26, 2020, at nine in the morning. Not that it mattered much to me because we were staying inside and practicing social distancing as a family, a word that's become so overused. It was in fact a typical early spring Thursday in Eastern Montana. It was a typical day because it couldn't make up its mind. Am I warm or am I cold? That's what I kept thinking the day would say if it, had a voice, thinking like my 10-year-old daughter. The music over my radio, it was loud. It was upbeat and alarming all at the same time. It was the music that comes right before important news. A classic Neil Diamond song was interrupted. I remember being frustrated. But a smooth radio voice made the announcement that our 25-bed hospital had just received its first four people with the COVID-19 virus. Placing my coffee cup on the table, I looked up at my wife and said, man, I hope my math was off. She looked down at her plate of half-eaten eggs, bacon, and toast and softly mumbled something like, dear God, here we go. You see, three weeks before, I had crunched some hard Montana numbers. And I'd arrived at some really disturbing numbers that I had to check over and over again. After about a half hour, I realized that within the following month, our little hospital with 25 beds will be far beyond its capacity. With a virus like COVID-19, the most critical patients would need respirators or breathing machines I knew that if 70% of the folks living in our small town were to get the coronavirus, 80% would experience mild symptoms. I knew those numbers. That's not a big deal. Actually, that's, that's pretty exciting. It, it causes a lot of people to, to think this isn't a big deal. It's not that those alarmed me. What caused me concern was that, according to my rather moderate figures, 91 folks would be so sick in my town that they would die. I remember thinking the seasonal flu would only kill about two or three people this year in my town. I remember thinking, our small community isn't ready for this. I thought, do we have... Three respirators around? Questions were running through my mind while I went to grab this little piece of paper that my daughter had drawn on. I remember it had a little horse on it. I think it was in my bedroom. I ran downstairs. It took me about 10 minutes. I found it. The back side of this paper had all my calculations. And this is what I wrote. 91 folks would die, underline. I'd scribbled the number 430. Because 430 people out of 2,686 people were likely to need critical care in my small town. Many of those people would need breathing machines. Wow, I wrote, circling and underlining, wow. I brought the paper from my bedroom upstairs to remind my wife. And she responded, and that's just harden. And I responded with, honey, I'm afraid this could be a total catastrophe. It was a catastrophe. Our little town alone would soon be overwhelmed in three short days. Our hospital, our hospital, according to the website, is set up to service, quote, patients in three contiguous counties, Bighorn County is the prime focus of healthcare needs with a population of approximately 13,000 residents spread over 5,000 square miles. We did not have room for the hardened numbers. Those numbers that I had crunched just for my small town, I knew that we were way beyond that. And so we surely didn't have room for what would follow. 1,500, 1,500 people would become critically ill in the following month. We did not know or have an idea. It was unprecedented. We didn't know what to do with 200 of them dying within a two-month span. I have never seen so many people feeling so helpless, so many people asking, what can we do? why would this happen? And so, Adam, that's that's the story that the numbers tell me could happen in our town.
1: That's heavy. Let's talk about redemption, man. Let's, let's chat. Let's start with this. So one of the things I saw at the beginning of this, and I shared this with you, and I'm just going to share it for our listeners, was was a quote from Mr. Rogers. I love that guy. Same here. And, and he said in this quote, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. So while that story that you just told does paint a bleak picture, I think... Um, that what it also does is it sets up a community um, to be resilient in this time and to step up uh, to the plate, to use a baseball analogy, which I'm really bummed we don't have right now as a yeah. part of <laughs> all of that's going on. Um, uh, we're missing baseball season. But to use a baseball analogy, to, to step up to the plate, um, during a time like this. So uh, let's, I know you know of, of some helpers, some uh, some groups, some individuals who are helping during this time. So let's chat about that a little bit. Do you want me to start? Yeah, you and, start. Tell me your first one. What do you I, see what, what, in regards to redeeming this catastrophe? So uh, as a result of COVID-19, there's been a shortage of what we call PPE. That's personal protective equipment. And um, masks, you know, gloves, those types of things. And, and, and we were talking earlier about how we're seeing even companies like Tesla and Ford, I believe, is stepping up to the plate to be able to uh, make ventilators. Yeah, they're making ventilators during this time. Um, So here in this small little community, we have a group of ladies who have been provided with the equipment and are able to make masks that are the equivalent of what we would call like an N100 mask. The N95s are the ones that are uh, being uh, used during this time. Uh, to protect uh, during uh, for the from the coronavirus, and so what they're doing is they're being able to create these N100s, and really uh, uh, close the gap between the healthcare workers in our community who might not be able to have access to some of these equipment, or maybe we do, but uh, there's just not a lot of them, and. If if we're thinking like logically and realistically, uh, these these people are going to work every day, and so they need this equipment on a really continual basis. So I think it's really cool that we have these this group of studious women who are making masks to 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 help uh, the healthcare workers in our community. Um faith communities,
0: redemption coming from congregations that can mobilize, you know, uh, that can, when, when the lowest common denominator is people are dying, churches can do a lot. I mean, they can help deliver food. They can help um, lead in flattening the curve that we've heard Mm-hmm. Um, they can help in innovative ways with communication abilities that they have. They can, yeah, they
1: can, um, they can continue to provide a sense of community, uh, during a time where people are feeling isolated, extremely isolated. Um, and, and one of the ways I, I think I've seen them do it able, um, is through this rush towards providing their services online in whatever capacity it might be, Facebook Live or YouTube Live or just you know recording a sermon and and putting it up on YouTube and and, uh, we were talking earlier about uh, the proximity uh, piece of how they're recording some of this and where the camera is in relationship to their body and how that can really provide a sense of feeling like that person's in the room with you. Well, I got a, I got another story, maybe two, if if we have time, Abel, and and it usually it, it relates to some of the people that I work with, but. You know, when we first started this, you and I were supposed to play music at uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, over at a local restaurant. I was really looking forward to that. And and we weren't able to because of of what's going on. But it was St. Patrick's Day, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot that takes place on days like that. And so I saw a group of people that I work with put heads together and come up with this really cool idea of... uh, Getting word out to the community, hey, you know, uh, you can't be in big groups right now, but you can still go for walks or runs or bike rides. And so if you're receiving this message, put up a, you know, cut out a a green shamrock, draw a shamrock, cut it out and paste it in your window. And then as you're out walking, look at the windows of the houses that you're walking around and and see how many shamrocks you can find. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I mean, me and my it's family community. did it. Yeah, we we uh, we got three. We still have three shamrocks sitting in the window, <laughs> and, and a lollipop because we got uh, someone who didn't want to go the shamrock route. But wow. uh, yeah, so I thought that was a really cool story about trying to create community during this time and really trying to give people ideas of ways to where they don't feel so stuck where they're at. And then there was this, uh, this last one that I heard. We have a, we have a girl that works with us, um, who is a yoga instructor. And, uh, in, in this local community, uh, since we're all working remotely, um, and practicing social distancing, um, she got on one of our, one of our, uh, platforms, teams is what we used to communicate with each other on video chat and, and provided an online yoga class for 15 minutes to people at their desks and tailored it to people who were stuck at a desk and probably couldn't get out and move uh, very much, um, or for very long and provide a little 15 minute yoga gig, uh, to to the staff at uh, at the place where we work so it, just these really creative ways to to make people feel i guess like things are normal um and i think that's part of this whole redemption piece
0: yeah and how do you have redemption with how do you how do you even have a drama how do you have reconciliation and, and um, a story and value and worth unless there's struggle? That's right. So this already is forcing people to look at one another and, and to see one another. And we're seeing the helpers. Oh, man. I mean, Rise I appreciate up. what you said about Mr. Rogers there. Yeah. I mean, I watched the movie. It was awesome. I was thinking to maybe... Our nurses, our, our, our doctors are, are becoming uh, household words and names. You know, um, what they say and who they are is important. And when one of them goes down or is hurt or they're important, that's redemption in our school teachers. but
1: Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think what we're seeing is innovation. We're seeing yeah. people uh, being really innovative uh, to... Um, Medical people being innovated to get their services out. These teachers are being innovated to uh, provide food uh, Unbelievable. To, to the people, to the, to the kids who are uh, reliant upon the school lunch program. And it's just really cool, man. Let's um, turn this back to our listeners.
0: If you're listening now and you have a story of redemption that can come out of these bleak numbers that I, that I just told in my story, How would you redeem the numbers? What's your small-town story? Do the math in your area. What numbers do you come up with? What ways do you imagine redemption? We'd love to hear your story. You can email us at the1in5, that is the number one in number five, podcast at icloud.com. Adam and I would love to hear
1: more from you. Adam, do you have anything else to
0: say before we
1: go? Nothing other than thanks again for listening to this episode of the one in five and go out. You have an opportunity right now to be a helper, uh, whether it's just to your own family or to a neighbor. Um, be a blessing to someone. That's right. Thanks, man.
0: You guys have a great day. Bye-bye.